Hello and welcome to another episode of Viper Rambles, starting with the topic, is Mr. Beast's controversial request of his fans going too far? This was an interesting thing to me. I had to think about it for quite a while. So Mr. Beast tweeted out, I need your help. Next time you see Feastables in Walmart and soon to be new retailers, if you could clean up the presentation and make it look better, that'd make me very happy. Pouty face. I'm building a team to do this routinely. Just need help in the short term. So Wild Gearsters says, I feel like I'm going insane reading these replies. What the fuck is wrong with people? And so, do it all the time for you already, bro. When I actually see them in my Walmart, Mr. Beast like, thank you. Easy, and he fixes it. Love, love hearts. Brilliant, crowdsourcing the cleanup, an amazing way to take care of the problem with your own influence. Proud of you, watch out, Hershey's. There's a new and better way of doing things. When I first heard this, I was like, this seems kind of weird for like a dude worth potentially hundreds of millions of dollars to ask people to clean up his chocolate, to potentially increase his sales of his already successful brand so he can have a bit more money. To be clear, I'm not saying he has hundreds of millions of dollars on hand, merely that, for example, he turned down a billion dollar offer for his channels and businesses recently. And then I thought to myself like, how different is this from me asking for you to like, give me facts and glitches for GTA 5? Is it that different? Like, Mr. Beast isn't like, hey, yo, go out to your local Walmart, drive down there, take time out of your day, like, clean them up, guard the place, make sure no one fucks up my chocolate. He's like, hey, if you happen to be in a Walmart and you happen to see my chocolate looking back, can you just, like, move them forward or something? It's uh, just a little bit unorthodox. It's something that I've never seen before. And so my initial response was, this doesn't seem very good. But upon reflection, it was like, he's not asking for much. There is clearly some line where it's like, we're asking you to like and subscribe. That is asking you to do something for our benefit that takes time out of your day, like a couple of seconds maybe. All the way to like, hey, give me your organs because I'm a <laughs> influencer. Like, there's, here's two extremes, right? And somewhere in the middle, we reach a point of it being exploitative. Like asking your followers to like, invest in my NFT, invest in my cryptocurrency. We can clearly see that shit is exploitative, right? But I don't think this reaches the point of it being exploitative. I think it might be a little bit tone deaf, not expecting a somewhat negative response from people. Because to be clear, Mr. Beast doesn't need this. He is wildly successful and his chocolates are going to be successful regardless of what they look like on the in the storefront, right? He said he's hiring people to do it anyway, so if you want to, you can. Exactly. It is just in the ballpark of on that line of, I don't think this is bad, but it still feels weird. I know you're not jealous, but you're making it sound that way. How so? Let's say Mr. Beast had recently just invested the last of his money into producing chocolate that is, he's trying to run at cost so he can donate the profits to charity. If he at that point said, hey, yo, if you guys are near a shopping mall, can you guys go and straighten up my chocolate? I'd be like, okay, it's at, at, the, at the bare minimum of existing, he's trying to do something nice for charity. That's fine. But as you become more successful, different things are perceived differently, right? In the same way that if you're homeless and you steal a loaf of bread, the response is going to be different than a person worth a million dollars stealing a loaf of bread. Mr. Beast being wildly successful and asking people on Twitter to straighten up his chocolate is very different from a person who is far less successful asking people to st straighten up his chocolate. His level of success and influence impacts how such requests are perceived, and rightly so, in my view. It's just a very borderline thing for me, and I don't think it's wrong what he did. But 
it took me reflection to reach that conclusion. Because it's just such a little task. If you happen to be there, if you wouldn't mind. Although it is conceivable that some people would go out of their way to do it, like for shits and giggles or something, but uh, I doubt there's many people. You didn't even know he was selling chocolate? Honestly, I wouldn't think Mr. Beast would make a potentially controversial statement or a, a, a statement that would be perceived as controversial specifically to grow his brand. He's made statements that suggest that is not the way he thinks is best to grow a brand. But a reality of uh, people talking about this tweet is that more people are going to be aware of his chocolate. I'm talking about it right now. Someone in chat's like, hey, yo, I didn't know that he was uh, making chocolate and now I know. So he benefits from this ultimately more than simply ha potentially having his chocolate straightened up. What's interesting to me is that he believes that he will see a return on investment for getting people to straighten up the chocolate. Really? Because I worked in a supermarket and we would straighten up all the stuff because a supermarket wants to sell more things and if stuff is like not visible at the front, then they're gonna make less sales. So it is a part of the routine of running a supermarket that you do this stuff anyway, but he wants just that little bit more. It's interesting. It may be in America, they don't do it as much as we do it in Australia, I'm not sure. And there was some people memeing the Mr. Beast thing. Fourth Mr. Beast Feastables display destroyed today. Eight more Walmarts to go. In reality, I'm pretty sure this is just like someone else's two pictures that this dude has reversed as a meme. <laughs> but that would be funny to envision like an army of anti-Mr. Beast people and an army of Mr. Beast fans like fighting over the chocolate aisle or something. <laughs> a gaming publication gave me a shout out. GT5 video gathers the game's funniest glitches in one place. Those who know the name DarkViperAU will be familiar with their GTA content. In 2022, a video showed that the YouTube had taken three years to do a passage run of Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, so these articles, I don't think they lead to a significant amount of traction to my video or like me as a creator, but these articles are very good because a lot of places in more traditional media still only really respects like actual publications, actual articles being written about you. Like it doesn't matter that I have over a million subscribers on YouTube, they were like, oh, don't care. But if I go, oh, I had an article written about me six days ago by Andrew Heaton, they'll be like, oh really? An article in Game Man? Oh, you must be a, a big shot. Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate these things. It's, uh, it's nice. It's how I got verified on Twitter after all. Just linked them like a dozen of those. This is why I would never move away from GTA content. I saw this video by Clix Philip, and I found one part of it particularly interesting. I don't know if I'd ever heard this phrased in this particular way, but it mirrors something that I've talked about before. Here is a mountain of evolution. I think I got it from something Richard Dawkins talked about at some point. And he discussed the evolution of the eye and how some creatures have found themselves as an evolutionary dead end, because in order for their eye design to improve further, it must first take several steps back. And this is something that natural selection doesn't allow for. In a way, this dead end right here is where Three Clicks Philip is. He climbed this small peak that is CSGO and was successful because he had done so, but now finds himself unable to climb any further up the mountain because he chose to go up this CSGO route. The channel is currently popular, but it's unlikely to get any more so and will eventually fizzle out and cease to exist. But there's nothing I can do about that, for changing the style or subject of that channel will only accelerate this process. So this mirrors what I've talked about previously about how success in one avenue can preclude you from success in another. And it is often not worth it to throw away your current success, even while recognizing it is not the grandest conceivable success that you could have. It's not worth throwing it away for a, a, even a small chance of that much greater success. 
why risk something great that you have currently for something even greater if you don't necessarily need it, right? And that's how I feel with my niche in Grand Theft Auto and stuff. Like, obviously, I would never be the most successful content creator on the platform or something by just making Grand Theft Auto content, especially in the variety that I make with challenge runs and speed runs and stuff. But I am clearly so successful, at least relative to everyone else, that it'd be insane to try to do something entirely different, to move away from that entirely and risk just becoming nothing. I'm better off just being happy with what I have. That section was just an interesting way of communicating to me that kind of concept. Sounds like opportunity cost. Yes, everything has opportunity cost because you can always be doing something else. And it's very unlikely in any given moment that you are doing the absolute peak optimal thing in regards to any particular goal that you have. That is just the nature of life. Old videos are now taking over YouTube's recommended feed. So I got recommended this video yesterday. Super Mario Ping Pong by Fathom12. You guys remember this clip? 13 years old. So this guy has had exactly one successful video. And that's it, J just that tune from Ping Pong, and that was it. His other videos that are a little bit successful, I just plays off that. And he released a video four months ago of, I don't know, him just playing indoor volleyball. How weird is that? Like one of the comments is just, did you hear the beat to Mario there? It must have been in there somewhere. I was referencing your Ping Pong video. He knows. <laughs> I've been presented with a lot more of these videos recently, these very old viral videos, and I've seen a lot of new comments on them. I'm not sure if this is a change in the algorithm or not, but at least in my experience, the algorithm does seem to be giving me more very old videos. Maybe they come in waves, I don't know, because I remember this happening like a year ago as well. Algorithm still testing with older content, I suppose. What I'm saying is I, th I think it makes sense for YouTube to do that, to take advantage of they're just endless amounts of content that they've had over the years that could still be popular and interesting today. I can't wait until next year where they have Bongo Cat back in popularity again. Gonna be recommended all the best Bongo Cat videos. The reason why I didn't know if this was happening for you guys is because I personally have been clicking a lot of short videos in my recommendation page. When I was on my phone, every third video, like not in shorts, just out of shorts, was like some like 15 second thing. Maybe they changed the recommendations for different devices. I suppose that could make sense. Maybe they have analytics that suggest that people watch different forms of content depending upon what platform they're on. See, as I say, it's just all this guessing about what the algorithm is doing to try to figure it out. This was another really old video that I got recommended recently. Test your awareness, who done it by do the test. 14 years ago, in 2008 chat, the premise of this video, I'm sure I must have watched this at least once over the 14 years, and I assume most of you have as well, but the premise of the video is that at the beginning, see all these people here, how they look a particular way? At the end, all of them change subtly, but you don't notice as it's playing out. And I watched it again and noticed none of the changes, even though like everything changes. And they like show as they, they change stuff out over the thing. Watch it if you like, but it uh, it turns out to be like an ad for uh, looking out for cyclists or whatever from London. It was, it was a very interesting ad. And it does highlight how fallible our vision is, or at least our perception, and why eyewitnesses are not, not very reliable in the court of law. You got this recommended yesterday? Yeah, and you can see all these recent comments. Like look, like 20,000 likes on a five day old comment. Look at these, just all this new activity. There are higher rated comments than the highest rated comment from 10 years ago. You to be weird. 
Humans don't expect the unexpected. That is true. I mean, like, now that I've told you that stuff is going to be changing, you'll be watching out for it, and so you'll notice it. Like, imagine that you were a witness to a person just walking down the street, and you later find out that that person was involved in a crime. Consider how little you notice every person who's just walking around you as you're walking down the street or whatever. Because you don't need to take notice of those details. You, you don't believe them to be relevant, so why commit them to memory? The uncertain future of content creation. I got sent this video by one of my mods talking about a creator who seemed to believe that privating a very successful video has caused their channel to not do as well in the algorithm. This VTuber, his content is people telling stories while in VR chat, claims that right after privating his most viral video this year, released about a month ago, his channel lost the momentum and YouTube stopped recommending people his content as much. Gist of it is, does privating videos really hurt a channel that much? The story is basically that he interviewed a person in the military and the video blew up and apparently the dude's superiors saw this video and uh, demanded that he take it down or he'd be sanctioned or whatever. And so obviously the military dude ran to this creator and said, oh, please take down the video. I'm going to get in trouble. When Will asked me about this, I said to him that I have endless examples of channels that have had one video blow up and be extraordinarily successful and the next one be basically nothing. So here's a channel called Going Indie. I doubt this is the first channel this person has ever made, but their first video got 1.3 million views. Blew up, everyone saw it, it's a good video. Their next video got 42,000 views. That's a huge drop off. The next one though, did a bit better. The next one did a bit better again. And their most recent video in the first day has only got 4,000 views. And honestly, I don't think this is a very good video. I did watch it to the end, but Maybe it not being a good videos contributed to that. As I say, I have many examples of this, but you do hear a lot from creators, the belief that if you have one really good video, it increases the success of your future videos as if the algorithm gives your channel a little bit more credit and it has a wider pool to present your video for it to potentially become successful. You can understand the reasoning why the algorithm would do that, right? If you have a very successful video, why wouldn't the algorithm be like, oh, well, that video was successful, clearly the next one must be as good as well. So we'll just show this to more people and, and give it better credibility to, to test it further. But as I say, I have endless examples where this doesn't work. It is just the problem with YouTube that I couldn't give my mod a definitive answer as to whether or not this actually exists or if it does not, because we don't know. We're all sitting here making connections between various different happenings on the platform, trying to bring together some narrative that explains what's going on at any given time. And then even if we get it a little bit figured out, they change it the next year. It's the frustrating aspects of this industry. As I say, my channel isn't doing as well as it was doing two months ago. Why is that? Could be any number of thousands, one thousands of variables. And all I can do is look at my analytics and try to find connections between things. And I the only connection I found is that I've released a handful fewer videos and potentially I was just making worse content. It's often the case that things happening elsewhere on the platform can be impacting us as well. And we, of course, have no access to any of that kind of information. I've said before that other people can be, in some respects, eating your lunch, producing something so wondrous or, or what have you that uh, your viewers are more occupied with that than your content as they were previously, and you just have no idea. And we're often too close to our own content to assess it fairly. Or we may not understand the people who normally watch our videos to the degree that we think we do. So I can think a video is great, and maybe other viewers disagree. Like, I really liked my Mars World Record video, and I thought people would watch that quite a bit because of the meme. But people didn't really give a shit about that. 
I think the mirror world chaos is fun and a bit more interesting than the older chaos, but a lot of people don't like it. So this person in this video, when they're talking about like, oh look, my most recent videos aren't doing as well, and I think it's because I privated my successful viral video. Like you can look back here and see that they have other videos that have also not done well. They've, they've done 30,000 views. Like you can go back to like here, just have two together that didn't get above 70. And these are like four month old videos. Like here they have huge jumps between their, their views and their videos. They go from half a million to 90 to half a million. There's a huge variance in the views that these videos get. 48,000, 36,000. So you can, looking at this, you can conclude either that this person is somewhat being insincere in that they're just trying to drum up support. Like they ask people to buy their merch and stuff and uh, support them more financially in this video. Either that or they're just doing what all us creators do. Trying to find anything that can explain why we aren't doing as well as we think we should be doing. Trying to draw connections. And assuming that the correlation between privating a video and two videos not, or maybe three videos not doing well are connected. When they can't be certain about that, but we just don't know. I, I'm trying to explain this is how frustrating this job is. You work a nine to five. The hours you work is how much you get paid. And it's a simple connection like that. But in this industry, it's just nonstop worrying and pouring over analytics to try to find any kind of connection why things are going well or not going well. It's frustrating. I feel for this person. I don't necessarily agree with what they've concluded as to why they're not being successful, but I feel for this person and I hope things pick up for them. Who's the most successful content creator? Who do you think is the most successful YouTube content creator? It all depends on how you're defin defining success. Because obviously within particular niches, there are people who have dominated those niches and been the most successful conceivably possible and take it as far as it can go. Where there may be other people in other avenues of YouTube that might be making more money or might have more viewers, but aren't necessarily more successful relative to their peers in that area of YouTube. It's like in the way that the person who is the greatest professional frisbee thrower. Pro disc golfer Paul Macbeth signs $10 million contracts. Richest deal in sports history. But you can guarantee, as successful as this guy is, he's probably not more successful than the most successful golfer. But he has dominated the disc golf niche. You might find golfers who are getting more money, or maybe people in the NBA or whatever, other sports who are getting more money, but who aren't necessarily the best in their particular sport. Like, obviously, Mr. Beast is the person who's got the most subscribers, potentially getting close to the most views, who's potentially making close to the most money. He would obviously come to mind as being at least close to generally the most successful person on the platform. But obviously, the ceiling for spectacle content is a lot higher than the ceiling for effectively any other kind of content because it's content that appeals to a huge variety of people. Mr. Beast has a lot of different channels too. He probably has the most views overall. There are some really, really successful content creators in other regions. So like judging which of these is a person versus a company, whatever, like Mr. Beast has hundreds of people working for him now. If maybe even a thousand, who knows? But it's a lot of people. And this compared to PewDiePie, who had what, like tops of like six people or something working for him at some point, like a couple of editors himself, maybe a manager or whatever. And like PewDiePie still has more views than Mr. Beast main channel. But like, he's fifth in terms of subscribers, but if you go by video views, like Mr. Beast isn't even on the top 50. Would he even be on the top 100? Okay, Mr. Beast is 74th in terms of views. And sure, he has other channels, but I don't think his other channels, especially because they're newer, 
get have gotten anywhere close to as many views as his main channel. And as I say, he's not at the top of that list. So as I say, it just depends on what you're assessing in terms of uh, success as to who would be the most successful on YouTube. There are many creators who I prefer far beyond Mr. Beast, right? Mr. Beast has broad appeal, but that doesn't obviously mean that he uh, is the best creator in regards to everyone's particular subjective preferences. Have my fans had enough of GT5 Chaos? I can only speak for me, but Chaos just lost its charm. Sure, Mirror World and Rainbow Miser gave it a fresh feel, but in its core, it's all the same. Yeah, like, sure, I can keep adding new effects and I can keep changing Chaos, but you're right, it is still just Chaos. The appeal of, oh look, viewers have spawned something every 30 seconds. We've been doing that for years now. That peak of like, oh, that's so cool. Like we as viewers can interact with the game. How weird is that? That's so new. That's gone now. It is fairly standard to have some sort of viewer involvement in content these days. It isn't special anymore. I still think it creates interesting moments and it is funny, but that mystique, that allure of this is something new and cool that I've never seen before is gone. And I can't get that back regardless of what I change Chaos to. My content is great, you don't have to worry. I always have to worry. That is the nature of the beast. As I say, I got cool stuff coming out and I hope that people actually like it. That AI video you just saw, like I am trying to think of new things and try new things and whatnot. Still fun to me, but I see why people lose interest doing the same mod through the same game over and over can be tiring. Like the assumption is that you will always bring on new people to replace the old. When someone gets sick of something, they leave, but a new person can find it. It's the replacement rate of all content, right? So with each new season, you hope like just more people jump on, which did happen with earlier seasons. But I've been around for long enough now that it's possible that I've had that sort of content seen by basically everyone available who might have a potential interest in it. Or at least the easily accessible people, right? I'm sure there are 90-year-old grandmothers sitting in nursing homes knitting right now who would also enjoy Chaos Mod if they were presented with it, but that's never going to happen, right? The algorithm would never prioritize my content in present, uh, presenting it to that audience. But the easily accessible people, like I've, I've milked that dry to a degree. I've found all the people, so there's never going to be that kind of explosive growth again. Are all content creators weird? Why does YouTube attract, like, some of the weirdest fucking people? Obviously, most YouTubers are just normal people, right? It's simply that there's so many YouTubers. I think YouTube said there's, what, like, 2 million jobs supported by YouTubers. Like, all those people aren't YouTubers, obviously. But let's say there's a lot of people uh, working with YouTube. So, obviously, even at, like, the normal rate of being disturbed weirdos, if that applied to that many people, there's going to be a lot of them, and we're going to hear about them all the time. It's not like people go, oh, you know, it's it's crazy how many completely normal people are YouTubers. <laughs> it's only the ones who do wrong that uh, get attention. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a little bit higher for YouTubers, but uh, it's probably about the same way as the rest of other professions. My editor that went missing has returned. The editor that disappeared came back, chat. He didn't give me specifics, but apparently he's gone through some stuff. Yet his life turned upside down the last couple of months. I'm not going to ask for specifics, but uh, yeah, he's, he's not dead, so it's good. Whether he'll do stuff for me in the future, who knows, we'll see. I can't pronounce authentication. You pronounced authentication weird in your video today. Just thought I'd point that out so you'd feel self-conscious about it. Yeah, I did learn that. Only Twitter Blue subscribers will be able to use text messages as their two-factor authentication method. It turns out sometimes I say authentication. I know it's authentication, 
Why would I say it that way? And I realized, I think I've been doing this for quite a while. And I was like, why did I start doing that? And so I looked online, like, is there some place that pronounces it that way? And there, there's not. There's no country that does it. I'm like, well, I'm just weird then. 